1: Today, we are talking to somebody I've followed for a really long time, five or six years on Instagram. She has lived the life of a traveler, quite literally. She currently lives and is restoring a hundred-year-old home in Arkansas. We are so tickled, Pink, to have her with us today. We want to welcome to the show, pocket full of heirlooms, Brandy Evans. Hi, Brandy. Hello. Uh, We were just talking about um, the heat... And the humidity that's going on, and we're in Idaho, you're in Arkansas, but you were talking about how going from Texas to Arkansas is a different kind of heat
2: yes yes it's it's quite different it's there's a lot of humidity I mean like I have moss for the first time in twenty years
1: so. It's basically Everything. like a, a <laughs> hot yeah, a, a hot, hot. organ, yeah yeah, because yeah. we don't
0: really we don't have moss here because it's too dry. no, we're a nice dry heat,
1: but I always feel like uh. Moss makes things a little bit more magical, and everything around you—I swear—is magic. Like the way, yeah, until you bust your ass on it, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's real magical,
1: yeah. right? See, that's to me. I'm like, I don't. What is it? It's slippery. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> it looks like it would just carry. You I know. I know,
0: like a magical little fairy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we have we have so many interesting things to go over with you today. And so many things that I am excited about and to say that your story is interesting is a massive understatement, a massive understatement. When I was telling people about who we were going to be interviewing today and was just giving tidbits of your past, they were like dumbstruck. And so we're going to start with your childhood. You had every child's dream. You literally ran away with the carnival. I did. Tell us about that.
2: I was raised um, on the carnival up until the time we started school. And even after that, we would go out in the summers up in Minnesota. Um, and we were on a family-based show. Everybody's like, oh, you carnies. You know, they always have some kind of horror story. But our show was family-based. There were kids. There were parents. There were, I mean, and there were your you know, your typical carny people. But everyone was good. They were good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continued to go out after we started school, only in the summertime. And then as I got older, I would only go out occasionally um, to be with my grandpa. My grandpa went out clear up until the time he passed away. And my dad still plays the SEMO district fair, uh, although it got canceled this year because of COVID. He still plays that once a year up in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So um, I let my boys go up there and, and when they were little and check. So they so they could say they had the experience. It wasn't the same experience, but yeah, my family owns uh, the diggers. They're the cranes that you turn and they go, they look like, they look like uh, construction diggers and they pick up objects and they've owned them forever. We also own the penny falls, but when the government stepped in and said that was gambling, my great uncle got rid of them. So.
1: Oh my gosh. Cause you said in your email that you're a fourth generation Romney gypsy.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. My dad's side is Romney. Yeah. Fourth generation carnies.
1: That is the um, coolest thing. And I know in America, we have kind of a sensationalized view of what Romney is. Tell us a little bit about what that heritage was like for you. I know that your grandmother was a palm reader, right? Is that correct? Yeah. My
2: great grandma, she read palms on the carnival and apparently she was very good. I never met her. She passed away before I was born. Um, but apparently she was very good and people came from all over and you can actually look up our family in newspaper clippings and stuff. And my great, great grandpa ran away with somebody else's wife and it's a great, (laughs) they're great stories. Um, unfortunately, you know, my grandpa, um, he didn't talk a lot about it because, you know, I remember he told me one time he got spit on right before the war, they were out in California. And when they found out that they were Romney, they got spit on and they decided that when the war broke out, that they would come back to Kansas, which is where, basically where I was raised. But he didn't talk about it a lot. Um, he married a white woman, mm-hmm. which I know that sounds really strange, but in my family, that's what it was considered. And her family was well-to-do in the little town in Kansas. And it was, it was um, a strange relationship, but you know, so he, my grandma wanted her kids to go to school. She wanted a house. So we were really detached from the whole, I mean, they all lived together still in tents and in trailers and a trailer park all together. And we would go sometimes twice in a summer, sometimes only once and we would go to visit and then we would go back and and we would live our normal life if you will. But um, it's a it was a different time back then. You know, my, my, I asked my grandpa all the time, tell me about the good old days. And he would say, these are the good old days. So, Mm, you know, getting information out of him was very difficult.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was um, my grandmother that recently passed away came from, no, I wouldn't say a sordid history, but it was definitely a non-traditional history. Her great grandmother was a madam. And so she spent the last part of her life erasing that history So now it's kind of you just have your you pick up the pieces of the story and hope that it's whole. enough. Yeah.
2: And and that's my cousins sometimes help. You know, they, they send pictures and and but they're all gone now. You know, my grandpa died almost 20 years ago. His sister died. There was only two of them and they and she died probably 15 years ago. And so now we just kind of, you know, we try and look things up or we get in touch with this person and, and we're finding out new information all the time, which is crazy to me. How did you not know that he had a brother? That kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm,
1: but when right. people,
2: you know, when people live in tents and travel, sometimes they just disappear. Yeah. So, and, and that's by choice, you know?
1: Oh, for sure. So right. It
2: is very, it is a very colorful childhood and heritage. And um, everyone says I need to write a book, but sometimes I'm like, I I don't know what I would say that would
1: interest. (laughs) (laughs) It's just all of it. My grandpa always said
2: your elders are rolling over in their graves. He would get a kick out of everyone having a gypsy soul and he would find that all, he would, he would just think that was comical. Right. Well, it's just,
1: it's kind of another level of gentrification of saying like gypsy life because gypsy is a pejorative, correct? To say it, I guess, outside of the culture.
2: I you know I never take offense. I've had people apologize to me about it and we never take offense to it. Now, it's the adjectives that you add before that that have always bothered us, you know. Um this is a funny story, but when I started dating my husband his mom asked me, um so did they steal babies? Oh my word. Oh my god. <laughs> and I of course was like I don't even really know how to respond to that. And I And I went home and I told my dad and he said, uh, well, if anybody ever asks you that again, you tell them, uh, no, they couldn't afford to feed their own
0: babies. (laughs) I was just thinking that.
2: Right. Yeah. You you never stole children because you had to feed them. But uh, he told me that and she made a comment about it later. And I, I, I said, you know, they couldn't afford to feed their own. And so, but my dad said they would always take people in, you know, if they needed a place to stay or if they needed work. Um, they put them to work, you know,
0: but was so that something you'd like people more to know about that heritage that they were helping people? They didn't they weren't any different than anybody else.
2: Yeah, no, it you know, it's funny. I met a, uh, a woman. I got to pick her house and uh, she was from England and she was from Wales. And that's where my family originated from. And she called me back into the back room and she was like, I want to talk to you about your family. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to talk about? she goes, you know, my mom used to come and offer them tea and cookies. So they would come in so she could stare at their clothes. And that was such a huge compliment to me because I'm like, God, most people were kicking them off their land. Or she's like, and my dad would come home and yell at my mom. You had them in the house again. And she said, my mom found your people fascinating. And I said, well, I find them pretty fast, fascinating too, but you know, but it was neat. It's a neat. I mean, I, I love where I came from. I yeah. really do. Not Absolutely. every day. So
0: yeah, I've, I, uh, cause I'm a nurse. And so I've taken care, you know, of gr- different groups of gypsies and I've just like fascinated by, and they have great stories. They're just great people. They all came in the hospital together, didn't they? They did. And it was just like, oh, you know, and I just, you know, they were super like nice about it. They didn't like they let me do my stuff and they were very humble and very thankful. And yeah, they just, you know, there's there's different groups of people
2: all over the world and how they act and how they, you know, and how they behave. And but I I will tell you, we can take over a hospital and we can take over a funeral home (laughs) And, and we are allowed. It was something my husband had to get. You know, he had to get very accustomed to it. Never. My girlfriend, she came to visit and brought her daughter and she said um, she told her daughter on the way down. Now they yell a lot, but they're not (laughs) fighting.
1: So to speak on that loudness, my uncle worked at a hospital in Portland and one of the I don't know if he was a king. Is that a reference you would use like a gypsy king or somebody? at the? Yeah.
2: Well, back in the day, back you in know, the day- I'm sure people claim that today. <laughs> he was,
1: he was very sick and he was in the hospital and he died in the hospital and it was a Catholic hospital. And the women were down in the waiting room trying to create a diversion. So the men could take his body out through the window of the hospital. Cause they were just going to do their yeah, own burial. Yeah. And it was, the women were in the lobby, like wailing and lifting their skirts and running around and being super loud. And I remember when my uncle told me that story, he was like, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Cause it was just, I love that. It was like, this is our tradition. I understand that maybe you would like us to do this more of your tradition, but we're not going to do that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I still haven't taken my husband. We've been married 28 years and I still haven't taken him to a funeral, a gypsy funeral because it's, it's slightly insane. I mean, for the comp, you know, for me, I, it's, it's just life. It's how they are. They're um, vibrant people Mm -hmm. for him. It, it may freak him out. You know, everybody's (laughs) like, Oh,
1: you should take him. And I'm like, Oh God. What makes it, (laughs) what makes a gypsy funeral so crazy? Well, first of all, we have a three day wake. And so for three days, we,
2: they take over or we take over. I, I've only been to a few, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't claim to live that life. I go to visit that life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I take my dad because he, at this point, he's considered an elder. Um, but I take him as a firstborn child. Um, that kind of is my responsibility. So, you know, it's a three-day wake where the entire we stay there the entire time. Like I left at 2.30 in the morning. I was like, okay, dad, I'm sorry. I got to go. My dad stayed all night long. And that goes on for three days, and they're singing and they're laughing. And it's you're there to celebrate a life, you're not there to cry or mourn. And so, for you know, a common person, that's pretty what are you doing? You're laughing and you're carrying on, but to them, you're celebrating
0: that person
1: they've already left,
0: you know. Mm -hmm.
1: That's a beautiful tradition. I love that, yeah.
0: Like, that's how I want my funeral. I've always told my husband, I was like, I want you to just buy all the booze you can, get a DJ. And just have a party. Yeah. Don't yeah. be sad. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is like, and
2: plus, you know, they, they're not, uh, they don't, tra- they don't travel like they used to anymore. So the three days gives family member time to get, th- you know, everyone to get there and, and then they visit and because they haven't, you know, they haven't seen each other in six months or a year. And like the last, my last uh, cousin that died, um, I remember I just sat on the wall and listened to all the elders talk about my grandpa. And that's how you find out things, you know, mm-hmm. but it's it's just, it's a different way of life for sure.
1: Yeah. And is that where you started um, antiquing was with your dad in that time of your life when you guys were traveling?
2: No, no, not really. My mom had always wanted, I told you that. So she wanted a ceramic chicken and we were <laughs> up with my <laughs> uncle Frank on a spot. And he, so he was looking for a ceramic chicken and so we're gonna go into this antique store. And I was, and usually I was opposed to going into antique stores because they were, they were stinky. Mm-hmm. And when you're a kid and that stuff's in your mouth and you're like, where are we at? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll go in with you, you know. And so I, I found that book and I liked the cover and the way it felt. And I don't read. My husband reads to me. If we if somebody says, Oh, you have to read this book, he'll read it to me. I, I'm not a reader, I can't sit still that long. But um, I still have it, and then I got away from it when I was in high school. Um, I was going to move to New York. Everything was going to be black, and I was going to be modern. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> going yeah, yeah, right? to, yeah, 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 My mom still throws that in my face. You were going to move to New York, and you weren't having anything old. And I laugh at her. I'm like, I know, right? And then look at my house. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it, it, and then when I, I worked in an office and i was working with numbers and i hate math i mean i hate it with a passion yeah and when i got laid off when the housing market fell i told my husband i said i'm not doing this anymore i'm i'm going to do what i want to do and he's like well do whatever you want to do and i'm like okay i'm going to take pictures because i my major had always been photojournalism i'd always worked in the dark room and so i started taking pictures and uh, I was taking pictures of my friends, kids, you know, and they'd say, What do I owe you? And I'm like, Oh, you don't owe me anything. Right. <laughs> you can't make a living yeah. on you don't owe me anything. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, I I am my I am a hairdresser and I own my own business and I totally get everything you just said. I'm like, no, yes. it's fine, you didn't owe me anything. And they're like, but and I'm like, No, it's cool. It's cool. You look good. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, bye. And then I'm like, my husband's like, Are you gonna go to the grocery store? And I'm like, No, nah, I'm broke as shit. <laughs> and he's like, but you were so busy this week. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get better at that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's hard. It really is, you know? And, and then finally I was like, I think I used to joke with my friends that I was going to open an antique store and then uh, at lunch I was going to close it and go, and on the wall it was going to, and I was going to drink peppermint schnapps and hot chocolate and go sledding. And that's what the sign was going to say, went sledding.
1: Um, but, In Texas?
2: Were yeah, you? yeah. See, no, I was gonna move upstate. I mean, this everybody used to laugh at me. They're like, "What are you talking about, Brandy? And then I told my husband, "I said, okay, so the picture gig is cool, but it's not working out monetarily. So I'm gonna sell antiques." And he's like, "Whatever, whatever makes you happy." And I said, "Okay." And I started, and I um, was always really frugal. You know, he he laughs at me. He's like, "I remember a time when you'd spend ten dollars and you'd have a cow." And I'm like. Because it was $10. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why not? um, Yeah. And so then I just started and it kind of grew. And I used to do this little pop-up in McKinney, Texas, the old red lumber yard. And I would go there and set up and then that grew. And then I had a studio in McKinney. I would open up once a month and people would come and they would come from all over. And I was blown away. I mean, I had a lady come from California one time and I was like, you came all the way to McKinney for this. And she was like, yeah, I just had to see you. And I'm like, she's like, I want to take your picture. And I'm like, Oh no, I don't do pictures." <laughs> like, no, really. And I'm like, no, really. I'd have to charge you $22.95. <laughs> and she, it was, it, I was, I was mind blown. I really was. And, and I'm still my, to this day, when I look up and I see my followers or I see somebody uh, that sends me a message on Etsy and, I'm just, I'm, it blows
1: me away. Well, you have, I'll tell you what drew me to your antiques. I was following a girl online, graveyard girl, that would shop at a store that you did your mice taxidermy class at Yeah, Common Objects. Oh, Bunny. Yes, Bunny. Yes. So I used to follow her and that's how I got introduced to you and I have stayed interested in you because your interest in antiques is a niche interest and it goes past the traditional form of antiques that like I would get with my grandmother. Yeah. But I was like, this lady gets it. She gets the cool bits of history that need to be loved again. And I think a lot of people connect with you on that level. What drove you to this, this way of curating the collections you sell? Because
2: they touch me. I mean, they, you know, everybody laughs. The first estate sale I ever went to, I, I went out to my car and I cried and, and, uh, everybody was like, what did you cry for? And I said, because I just went through someone's life,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the most private parts of their life that I just went through it. And then I watched people go through it with no concern at all. And that bothered me. And I, uh, so, when I see that, you know, some people, it's like hey, I have a collection of hair braids and that
1: grosses people out. And, but all I, but I all have hair pe- in my uh, China cabinet right now and Jill hates it. Yeah.
2: And doesn't, <laughs> don't you feel like some kind of connection? Can't you imagine that little girl getting her hair cut and being so proud of that hair mm-hmm. and then her mom sitting down and probably crying because she just cut all that baby hair yeah. off? I mean, it to me, it's a lot, it, it's a lot. It's just a connection, and my mom always says, "You're just so drawn to this stuff." And I'm like, "Cause I see it. Mm-hmm. I don't just, oh, that looks neat, or oh, I like that. I actually like feel some of it, mm-hmm. and I, and I like that feeling.
1: Yeah, I like,
2: yeah. I like being a part of that. Yeah, but every day for someone, you know, it's it's like I picked up the other. Well, this has been a while, but I went to an estate sale of an elderly lady whose husband had passed away several years ago, and in her laundry room was a baby jar full of snake. Um rattlesnakes. Oh. And I'm like, the tails. And I'm like, why did she have these? She was like 92 years old. She lived by herself. Why did she have these? And I'm like, voodoo. Probably not. <laughs> they were probably her husbands. But you know what I mean? I mean, yes. it was just mm-hmm. so cool. And there's just so many stories that I still talk about that people are like, is that did that really happen? And I'm like, Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. One time we mm-hmm. went to What was supposed to be a garage sale and it was a storage unit and a lady was in there in her wheelchair and stuff was stacked everywhere. And there was an older lady about 80 helping her and it was 105 out. And I said, what is all this? And she said, oh, she wouldn't, she wouldn't get rid of it. So her family just moved her in with it. She was actually living in the storage (gasps) unit, all the stuff. They had made a makeshift apartment in the corner, Oh my! but she couldn't give it up. Oh my Cause God. you know, our family told her you'd give this up and you can move in with us. It was insane. And they didn't, you could find a $300 object in with a can of cooking oil oh my
0: because
2: gosh. they had just thrown everything in boxes, didn't care about her because she gave she cared more about her stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these stories and, and all these lives that you see and that you touch. And it's just, that's the part of it. I love, I mean, I, it, the stuff is cool. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But just meeting the people and the stories they have to tell, I
1: and like, that's that's yeah. the entire reason we started this show. I am in an antique study group in the area I live in, and I like you had to have a sponsor to get into it. So that you sounds ha- cool. And I am the youngest by fifty years, and so I had to like prove myself with these women that I knew what I knew about antiques, or and that's besides the point. But I. When I told Jill when I first became a part of it, I said, I have to record these stories. I said, the antiques be damned. I said, the women that sit and tell me about, like they were talking one day about silver and old silverware that they would get because that was something you used to get as a wedding gift. And it was a family heirloom and it was very precious. Nobody used it. No, right. (laughs) And she goes, I walk in and this woman has got to be in her seventies. She says, I walk into my grandmother hand making meringue. She has a silver platter set out on the table with a fork and she's whipping the eggs and sugar into meringue on a silver platter by hand. And I was just like, this is a time that people are so disconnected from and it's so rich and the level of humanity that rides directly alongside collecting antiques has to be shared.
2: Yeah. To me, yeah, that's it's, It's the simplest of tasks that were made that were difficult tasks, but it was just part of everyday life, you know? And it's, I don't know. I, I like it, but I always tell my mom I was born in the wrong time. And she's like, well, you wouldn't want, those people were miserable sometimes. And I'm like, were they miserable mom? Or was that just all they knew? So, you know, they were good with it. Um, But yeah, I, this is a true dream come true. And every day that I, you know, I joke with everybody,
1: oh, I have to go to work today. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad for me. (laughs) So where do you find now? Because you moved from Texas to Arkansas. Yeah. Where Where do you go to curate the stuff that you put online for sale? Like, walk me through your process. It is so crazy. When we moved here, I was worried.
2: Because in Dallas... You'll have 50 estate sales start on Wednesday, 80 start on Friday, and then they just go through the weekend, right? It's insane. And it's a huge market down there. So finding stuff is, you know, the the lines will be around the corner to get into estate sales. When I left uh, eight months ago, you're talking about an hour and a half wait. You know, you you would want to get there an hour and a half early. Here, it's completely different. Um, We've only been here eight months, and I've already picked. Uh, three houses that in my, in the small little town we live in, they've already invited me into their houses when their parents have died, which I find amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I thought it would take me a lot longer to get in. You know what I mean? For because, sure, right. you know, when you go to a little town, you know, you know, I mean, if you've ever lived in a little town, you know how they oh, are. Oh yeah.
0: Born yeah. and yeah. raised. And, yep. uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm from a town of now it is 4,000 people.
2: Yeah. I think there's one, here, yeah, twenty three hundred, and they and they have all been really super nice. Um, I also go to Memphis a lot because there's so many. Um, there's not a lot of estate sales there, even though that's where EstateSale.net um, originated from, and the man was from Memphis. They don't have a lot. In fact, they usually have about maybe four a week. It's a completely different market. Whoa.
0: Oh
2: my god! Yeah, so it's really been, um, it's really been different, but. The great thing about it is we lived in Texas for 21 years, so we had been everywhere. You know what I mean? And we'd, we'd be going back to the same places. Here, it's all uncharted, right? So mm-hmm. my husband and I will jump in the car and I'm like, okay, we're going to hit these six little towns and see what we find. So that has been an adventure for us um, and something that we needed. But it's it's basically the same thing. I wait for calls. I wait for... Um, messages from other, and that's another thing that there's a couple of people here in Harrisburg that deal in, uh, one has her own store up on the square. And then another one is a young man who's an artist out of college. And they've invited me to go junking with them because we have different tastes, you know, and that's the girl who owns the stores into mid-modern and he's into, you know, he likes to fix things where I've tried to get away from projects (laughs)
0: projects were horrible. But, um, so it's, it's a learning curve here. Definitely. So when you go into an estate sale, is there something like you're like, that's the thing you're going to go for, whether it's there or not? I never do that. I never do that
2: because I have found too many people that do that. Then they, if they don't get it, they get hot, you know, they're mad Mm -hmm. and they have these blinders on and they miss everything else. So I never do that. I never say I'm going for this. What I usually do is I look at an estate sale and I'm like, oh, if they have this, I bet they saved this. And it's a completely mm-hmm. different, and I never pay attention to what other people are getting um, because I, I really, especially in Dallas, I didn't because the market there was so crazy, but I just never paid much attention. I just did my own thing. And I always got the same response. You found the coolest stuff in the house. And I said, well, thanks. I, you know, I don't really know what to say. I'm, I'm at the same estate sale as you are. <laughs> I just went to one last week and it was that way. The two ladies behind me, they're like, you got all the cool stuff. And I'm like, you are actually ahead of me in life. <laughs> you know? So right. Yeah. I just—I
1: I look for different stuff. And you, I'm, you do have different antiques, but I think, it, like you said, you found the coolest things. I think people get stuck in this. The tunnel vision, like you're talking about, walking through somebody's house, seeing those objects live in that space, instead of kind of imagining it in an area of your home or in somebody else's home that right. it would fit.
2: Yeah, and I never look for gold, and I never look for silver. <laughs> you know, I'm just not that person. And and down in in Dallas, there was that definite. There, was, you had your jewelry people, you had your record people, you had your furniture people, and I was just, I never wanted to be that a person, you know, I never wanted to label because right. they say, well, what are you interested in? Anything that catches my eye.
1: Yeah. You know. And you collect, I mean, like the bastards of antiques. Like yeah. one of the favorite things I saw that you curated was the paintbrushes. Yeah. Like old artist paintbrushes that just tell a story on their, their own. And yeah. most people would have just been like, I don't have any use for well, that. And
0: I like that too, because then it's like, Oh my God, I would have never thought of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like some like some of these Instagrams. I will look and I'm like, oh my god! Like, what am I missing every time I go to an estate sale? Yeah. And it's just kind of eye opening to be like, yeah, I could see that you in know, my I, spot. Who was tidy? Who
2: wasn't? You know, I think that's when, like, I my the paint brushes and stuff. My husband's like, you want those? And I'm like, yeah. You can tell he was messy. He didn't give a shit about life. He didn't give a shit about anything. He didn't clean his brushes. I love. My mom's like, you can't use those. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> can't use them but um they look cool together on a wall
1: well and you i mean from what i can see from doing research for the show and just knowing dealers across my lifetime dealers tend to have pretty niche collections and you were of no exception to that one of the pictures you sent us is the the pigments that you collect yeah how did you start on that
2: you know it's weird because um I always wanted to be an artist even in high school, but sometimes it just wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you're in high school, you're trying to figure out who you are and what you are and who you want to hang around. And I always felt like I just walked this line, the Jane line, the plain Jane, you know, I never want to venture out too far here. I never want to venture out too far here. And when I got older, I was just like, I'm going to do what I, I want you know? Yeah. And I always was the people pleaser with my parents. I never got into trouble and not that I ever wanted to get in trouble. Cause I was always walking that line, but the pigments and all the art stuff, it, I just wanted to be near it. Cause I thought, well, maybe it'll rub off <laughs> 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 you while know? well, the taxidermy, you know, some people call that art. I'm like, no, I just play with dead animals.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I keep everything real simple around here. Not, I'm, I have a hard time saying I'm an artist. I, I, that just, I, that's saved for people who really are talented.
1: I would say 175% yeah. yeah. are an artist. Absolutely.
2: People say that, but I, I can't, I just can't wear that badge because I, I hold so many artists up there. Yeah. You know what I mean. And I'm like, I can't even draw a freaking circle, <laughs> but like with the paints and stuff and the paintbrushes, it's all like just the colors that I, I'm just, I love. But I found my first tents at an estate sale of a man who had a nasty garage. And I mean, he had everything, but everything was nasty. And I opened up this metal box and I saw these bottles and I was like, what is this? And it was heavier than hell. So I had to get my husband to come get it. I couldn't even pick it up. Wow. So he said, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know. It's so dirty. <laughs> and when I got home and started cleaning the jars, I'm like, oh my God, Eric, look at all these pigments. And he must've painted cars a long time ago. Cause that's what it is. It's auto paint. But, um, I said, I'm not selling these. And he was like, okay. You know, he, he thinks I should keep it all. I'm like, I can't keep it all. Yeah. But anyway, that's kind of how that started. And then I would get, I would find little pieces and little, you know, like art, art teachers would have like pigments they'd never even opened. And I was, I was like, God, why didn't they use these Are the best colors? But yeah, I, I like samples. I like samples of anything really. So
1: And the way My- you have it set up, we'll put that picture up on our Instagram because it is it's the sweetest just display mm-hmm. of seemingly normal objects made to put Odd this- ball shit. Yeah, oddball shit. <laughs> yes. I I love that about everything that you have.
2: That's what everybody goes, Oh, it isn't shit, Brandy, and I'm like Honestly, it is. I mean, <laughs> let's get real. It all—it It is. And my mom's like, yes, this beautiful shit, Randy." I'm like, okay, I'll take that compliment. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> At the end of the day, I my, the number one thing, people, you want that? I'm like, mm mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yes, I do.
0: Give it yeah, to me Absolutely, now. now. Yeah. Right now.
1: Tell me, okay, tell me about the taxidermy mice and just the taxidermy that you have in general. I am a huge fan of... Vintage taxidermy, weird taxidermy, anything like that, anything that tells a story belongs in my house. And I can't, one day I will own some of your house. I want to see your house. Okay. I'll show you around after <laughs> we're done here. It's in the process okay. of being fully curated. It is nowhere near like yours, but I have some weird stuff. So the
2: taxidermy, um, I always collected taxidermy, but it always bored me because, you know, they'd have it on a log or they'd have it on a stick mm-hmm. or it just,
1: Look, this one Look, looks like it's coming down
2: from the
0: mountains. I know. This one's going to attack a yeah.
2: squirrel.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: So that part bored me. So I was always fascinated by Victorian taxidermy. And so then I told my husband it was a new year and I always set these goals for myself that I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to try something new. And some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. The potting wheel is still in storage. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> I told him I was going to teach myself taxidermy. And cause I was getting all these taxidermy pieces and I was trying to fix them and remount them. And I said, I'm going to teach myself taxidermy. And he was like, okay. You know, and he just totally, was like, whatever. And I said, well, I have this 1800s book I found, uh, at an estate sale and I'm going to sit down. So I did. And I got a couple of frozen feeder mice at PetSmart and I cried, oh, man, I cried. I was crying so hard. My husband said, maybe you should put this away. <laughs> um, because I don't honor people, you know, people don't get that just because you collect taxidermy or you do taxidermy doesn't mean that you don't love animals.
1: People. Yeah. It's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's mis- a huge misconception. Yes.
2: Yeah. And so um, I put them in the freezer and then I, pu- I got control of myself and I pulled them back out. And then I cried after I was done because they didn't look, you know, I was like, these don't look good. I didn't honor these, you know. <laughs> 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 <Get a grip! laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. So I just kept practicing. And while I was practicing, I was buying old taxidermy and I was working on their eyes and and trying to teach myself basically out of this book. I never really, because I didn't want to do big game. That's way too much blood for me and no. Um, so anyway, I just started it and kept practicing and then it started shipping all over the world. And I I was like, people want this stuff. And he's like, why do you say that? And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of thought it was my gig. You know what I mean? You think you're the only person right. out into this crap and and um, and then i said and then i had some people will you teach me and i was like you want me to teach you you know i'm always just floored by all of this <laughs> and and my husband's like oh that's a great idea and i'm like i don't what am i gonna say <laughs> he's like will you teach him how to do it so we did several classes down at uncommon objects and we did some at curiosities in dallas um, I haven't tried any here in Arkansas yet. I don't know how that's going to fly over. I told my husband I needed to find a, a store in Memphis um, to get hooked up with. But it it's just, I like it. I mean, I can't, you know, I i
0: can't defend it. Everybody's like,
2: why? And I'm like, I don't know. I just like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I
0: don't, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't think you need a reason. When you like something, you don't need a reason. No. Unless it's horribly yeah. Ill- illegal, then yes. Yeah. Well, then. Uh, taxidermy you
1: know. is. Because I had... To speak of the weird, I had a a bird that I found at my father-in-law's house that had met an unfortunate death with a window, and I scooped it up and put it in a bag and brought it home and put it in my freezer and forgot about it, because I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to taxidermy this. And one of my friends came over, and she goes, do you have any, like, Hot Pockets or anything? And I was like, no, dude, we don't have that, but you can go look in the freezer and see. (laughs) She yells from my kitchen, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I'm like, what? She goes, why do you have a bird? And I was like, oh, that, um, I'm, she goes, Sam, are you going to try and figure out how to taxidermy this? And I was like, maybe <laughs> I am. And she's like, what the fuck dude? And I was like, just, I didn't ask for your crucifixion about my choices of collection. Okay. You wanted a corn dog. Now get out of my kitchen.
2: <laughs> Leave me be. Yeah, definitely, I mean, I definitely get some bad. I used to get hate mail when I first started, and some of it I could. I like my my oldest speaks Spanish, and I got um I got a hate mail from Spain, and I was like, "What is she saying? I don't know what she's saying." Can you? <laughs> and he was like, "You don't want to know, mom." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, never mind." Never and mind. so I mean, and that stopped. And I think that's why I like Instagram so well because you really weed out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to listen. I don't know. It's not like Facebook. Facebook to me is. Is a different group of people. I mean, I, I belong to the old house thing, and I just got chastised by some guy because of my, my goose or my whatever it is, I don't know, on the wall. He was like, yeah, that's
1: real nice, except for the awful bird. And I was oh. like, I guess it's
2: all awful. It's in every room. I'm sorry. I'm awful. I, I just think ex- whatever you well, want to believe. Well, it's be like, dude,
1: yeah. get fucked. Like, this isn't your house. Nobody's... Well,
2: and the thing is, if you don't like it, that's great. It's not in your house. Exactly. It's not yeah. in your house, rolling i didn't ask you to like it anyway
1: <laughs> no doubt also newsflash nobody likes what i do generally so
0: bye <laughs> i know i okay this is like creepy this is creepy jill i enjoy when it's nighttime and people have their windows open mm-hmm. and the lights are on i'm always looking yeah what are they doing? i need to know what's on your wall and why it's on your wall mm-hmm. yeah and yeah
2: the little the male girl here so okay we have this Hundred-year-old house we bought, and I haven't yet to put curtains up because we have all antique lead windows, They're and I beautiful. don't want to cover them.
0: No, why so, would you? Uh,
2: yeah, so the little male girl. Um, they, it's funny. The lady who owned this house um, apparently had set rules in town. All deliveries were made to the back of the house. Oh wow! Oh yeah, there's doorbells back there for delivery men and everything. But anyway, she all most of our packages get delivered to that spot. You know, they don't come to the front door. But the other day I was walking to the kitchen and I see the, a new little male girl and she's delivering the package to the front yard or to the front door. And I told her, I said, I bet she's looking in the windows. She, when I got to the post office the next day, she goes, I delivered your package to the front door because I just had to look in that
0: house. <laughs> it really is. Okay well, you admit it. <laughs> yeah. And you have such cool things in your house. Like the horse. Tell us about the horse behind you. Is it a miniature horse behind you? Yes, it's
2: a miniature horse. Oh my God,
0: I love
1: it.
2: Uh, That came from a, oh my gosh. He, it came from a warehouse in Texas. I can't, I think it was in Forney. But anyway, um, he was in the very back and he was in a, what looked to be like a garbage bin. It was huge and it had all this crap coming in. And and all I saw was a snout. And uh, I said, Eric, what is that? He goes, I don't know. I can't reach that. He's, no, really, you're gonna get up there and reach that. And I mean this place is a mess. Like it was raining and they got big old, not like buckets, but barrels to catch the rainwater. It's a oh, mess. Holy crap. Um, and anyway, he was yeah, he was in there. I can't remember how many jars of wipes it took me to cleaning and how many times I emptied the vacuum. But that guy, who, he
1: signed the bottom of it. it was from 1910s. Whoa. At, holy crap.
2: In Holland, I think
1: it was. It's an but incredible condition for 1910s. Yeah.
2: For, yeah. He's got some, well, and somebody even stitched him in some places, but that man used to take taxidermy around and let little kids sit on it. I read an article about him after I pulled up his name. He, he would let people sit on his taxidermy and take pictures and that money he gave to charity. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's very cool. That's and so amazing. there's a picture on the internet of the man, and he's got all these kids on lions. and so, The horse isn't in it, but of lions and zebras and stuff. But,
1: and then he would take the money, or he'd give it to any charity he thought fit. So I thought uh, that's cool. Do, but, you, yeah. do you name your taxidermy? Do they get names?
2: Uh, my mice do. My mice get stories. But my taxidermy in my house, sometimes I name them as a joke. <laughs> but now my mice, because someday I want to write a book. And it's about my the creations that I make, Mm -hmm. their story, Mm -hmm. not the taxidermy story by Brandy, but their story, Um, like my mouse tars and 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 stuff like that. And someday when I get my kid out of college and I'm not so stressed, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write that book. But for now, not now,
1: too busy. (laughs) Oh yeah, I hear that. I hear that in my core. And you have you have such a knack for putting a display together that really gives your eye a lot to focus on in a way of what is that, but it does not overwhelming. Like one of the pictures you sent, which is one of my favorites. It's got the, are they doll legs or are they prosthetic legs?
2: Those are doll I have wax legs. Oh doll my legs. gosh.
1: Yeah. It is. I'll put it up on the Instagram. It like, just, I don't know if it's just everything you collect just touches me so deeply because I'm like, I love it. And you have um, throughout your house, and in this picture, you have portraits of people and um, masks and different things like that.
2: Yeah, the, I have my wenches that are all grumpy people, um, and you know, my mom. No one appreciates my wenches, <laughs> no one but me. And I, they make me laugh. Like yeah. every time I walk up the stairs, I'm like, "I got you, bitch." I, got you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. You're that feeling. Is, you. I'm feeling you feeling today. You. Yeah, I feel you today because there's. So, I mean so much attitude in some of them. And my mom's like, those women are hideous. And I'm like, yes, mom, I know. That's the point. And she's like, you're going to hang those in your house. And I'm like,
1: yep. Mm -hmm. Because it's bitches with that attitude that get shit done, mom. And I need need their grace and their guidance every day when I walk past them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, everybody's like, your house is so it's just so whimsical and childlike. And I'm like, no, it's not really childlike. It's got a lot of attitude because, you know, there's certain things I just I like surrounding my self with attitude. You know, I mean, it might not be for everybody. And that's cool. Somebody goes, well, I don't really care for pink. And I'm like, I really don't give a shit.
1: And you, yeah. my darling, you love pink. You have created this affinity I, for me where I'm like, I need to find my color so I can be like Brandy and have that shit everywhere.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like I, it's weird though. It, I, I didn't like pink growing up. Well, I kind of like pink. It's a weird pink. It's an old pink. It's a 1940s. It's like I taffy. It yeah. Putty. Yeah. pink. Yeah. Yeah. I call it putty, uh, putty pink, you know, like a little kid when you give them new putty mm-hmm. and then it looks dirty from their hands. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's funny because somebody go, Oh, I found this pink thing. And I'm like, Oh no, that's bubblegum pink. I'm looking for dirty bubble, you know, putty pink. Yeah. But and then everybody's like, "What's that color?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I didn't paint that." Because a lot of people think I paint shit. I don't paint anything. go, <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, oh, this is this was how it was found. This is natural.
2: Yeah, the, yeah. I'm not into painting.
1: Yeah. If it's a, if I have to buy an antique, that's a project. I'm like, sorry, I can't.
2: Well, you know, when I first started, you did. You buy everything. I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna do this. And no, now I'm 47, and no. No, no projects. And I know my husband was sick of them too, you know, because we'd have the shit everywhere in the garage. And she's like, I really, we need to tone down on
1: the project. Well, and it's kind of, it's kind of the irony in that now is that you moved into... A
2: big project.
1: Yes. Yeah. But it is yeah. it's glorious. For those of you that are listening, her Instagram for her house is the nest on Ridge, underscore nest, underscore on Ridge. And it is, they document everything and you can see Brandy's collections and the beautiful kitchen yeah, that you I guys to did.
2: People yeah. tend to get mad when you won't sell them things. So mm. I tried to separate, you know, no, this is my house page. You can come here and be nosy if you want, but nothing's for sale on this page.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it is, you just have, I mean, I love your umbrella outside.
2: Yeah. That was crazy. Estate sale of an old lady that lived in a trailer <laughs> and she had the most amazing outdoor stuff. Her house was nothing to speak of. But the outside of her, she had the most amazing statues and bird baths, and then that umbrella. And my husband was like, "You what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we need to take home." He's like, "Brittany, we are two hours from home. It's gonna..." And I'm like, "You can handle it because you know how to tie shit down." Mm-hmm. You're
0: like, "It is coming home whether you want yeah. to or not." Like, sorry <laughs> it was
2: about. It. I never painted it until. It, oh, I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't paint things because I painted that because when we got when we got it, it was red. And then out in the Texas heat, it had just gotten in horrible shape. So when we moved here, my kids came up to visit and we painted it. And I'm like, ah, oh, it looks okay. It needs
1: beat up some. So hopefully it gets beat up a little bit. It's just, it's the cutest umbrella. Like it's the, I love, I love a woman who can look at something and give it the life it deserves. And I feel like you have that nailed down perfectly, uh, perfectly. Mm-hmm.
2: I, you know, some things work out some things don't. It you know, the pottery didn't work out. I mean, I'd still love to, don't mind you. When I get settled, I'm like, I'm getting that wheel back out and I'm going to, because I have this whole vision of this pottery I want to do, mm-hmm. but I just haven't had time. I need to make time.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is do I have time to make time today for this new hobby, or am I just going to continue to putter with everything I putter with every day? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so have, you've, yeah. I mean, in doing this career, what antiques to you are overly hyped. What mm-hmm. what blows your mind that people die over when they go to a sale?
2: Uh, what is that? I don't even know what it's called. I do know what it's called. I can't uh,
1: pyrex.
0: I knew you were gonna see.
1: Jill loves Pyrex, but I get how being a collector, I mean, you see it everywhere.
2: Well, no, it's not that I I dig Pyrex in turquoise and pink and or if somebody has a collect like there's some people on Instagram that have it and they have like a whole shelf of different colors and they match. And I'm like, that looks you did it right. But like when you're at a state sale and these people are scratching each other's eyeballs out to get to some
0: brown, orange Pyrex, I'm like, what are you doing? Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: For the stuff you know, that I, is not pretty to look at, well,
0: and I because when I get Pyrex, I use it because I, to yeah. me, it's like somebody used this for their Thanksgiving dinner and now I'm going to use it for my Thanksgiving dinner. And- yeah, no,
2: I, I mean, like, I like if I see a p- piece of pink Pyrex, I would totally pick it up for somebody or turquoise or like I got some black and white, they were snowflakes, I freaking loved it, but I wasn't gonna. First of all, I wasn't going to show up three hours early for it. And I certainly wasn't going to get in a fight with the kitchen, in the kitchen for it because I, I just don't. I'm like, it's cool, but it's not that cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't. Um, but I'm still a cheap. I'm still cheap. You know what I mean? If I go in some place and they want these astronomical places or prices, I'm like, I couldn't even sell that on my site for that. Right. What?
1: right. That is the biggest turnoff when we go to oh, any yeah. type of sale when you're trying to do an estate sale and sell it at full-blown retail and then some, yeah. you're not going to and, move and, anything.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm like, you're not doing anybody any favors here. It's just going to sit here. No. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what? It takes all, I, I always tell myself it takes all kinds. And that's what I've told my kids. It, the world is made up of uh, all kinds of people. And When I first started this, I would only buy what I love. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I would be in after I, I was probably like four years in. I was like, okay, if I liked industrial, I would buy this. You know, and I, and that's how, and I could set up a room in this, or if I liked mid-modern, I would buy this, but you know, I'm still not, you know, I walk into somebody's house and they have mid-modern and they love it. And I'm like, that's great for you, but that looks like my mom's office.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's in the
2: seventies. That looks like office furniture to me, but I, you know, I still can find things that I'm not interested in and I'll give it to somebody who is interested in, it. you know, this house, when we bought it, the lady uh, had, you could tell in the late sixties that she had obviously wanted a new look. So there were all these brass chandeliers in here and some random, you know, just random stuff that, and I gave it all to the girl who likes me. I'm like, if you like this here, take it. Cause I am not going to use it. I'm not going to sell it. I don't want it in my shop. Um, And she was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want it, but you can appreciate it. And that's cool with me. Right. And so that, you know, but I don't, hype is everybody's opinion I guess mm-hmm. I don't know I'm not going to fight anybody over anything though no I'm real,
0: I'm, it's no. not really worth it but is there something that you saw in a state sale kind of was like eh, and then left and then you're like no I need to have that and it was gone I
2: no, in all this time I have never been disappointed because I just don't go with that mindset. I just don't go with that mindset because I've watched too many people in line
1: mm-hmm.
2: argue about things and be disappointed. And I'm a huge believer in karma. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I just don't get that upset about it. My mom's always like, didn't you want that? And I'm like, oh, it wasn't meant to be. I'll find one later. Yeah. You that's know, that's a and great way
1: to look at yeah. it.
2: Yeah, because I just can't get my. I just can't. You get nervous enough. I don't know if you guys get this, but you get like the jitters right before it opens, and you're oh, like, Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Negative tone on that. I probably won't see anything. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So I try and stay in this. I'll go my way. You go your way. Whatever.
1: Yeah, and you're just gonna because you will. You're just gonna piss yourself off.
2: Yeah, and when I get pissed off, it's
1: not pretty. No. So I just and you just because I look at it, it's like modern day treasure hunting. Yes. And you're going into a place where you've just seen photos of what they, the dealer or the estate sale runner thinks are the best items in that sale. Exactly. So really, if you go fixated on the items that you're only seeing there, you miss a lot of really great shit that they didn't show. And the one thing Jill and I always say is look under the tables.
2: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> look we under the table, Look in the bathroom, look in the closets, look under the bed. I just went to an estate salon in Jonesboro and the lady was a massive hoarder and they hadn't went through everything. You know, they had just put boxes out for you to go through because there was so much stuff. They ended up having two sales and they're supposed to have a third one. But, um, you just, I just can't get locked into one thing because I really feel like if you get locked into that one thing, you're running to all the rooms, trying to look for that one thing. Mm -hmm. And then you might not be able to get back to the I just, I don't know. I, a lot of the guys that I hung out with um, down in Dallas, they, they always laugh. They're like, Brenny, you're just so calm. And I'm like, I just, I'm not going to get upset about it because there's always tomorrow and there's always more shit. Yeah.
1: You know, oh, I you yeah. think
2: you have something cool. And then two weeks later you find something cooler. So I'm always like, it, it's no skin off my back.
1: No, not at all. And we do. To wrap up, I'm going to do one of my favorite things that we do on the show. And Jill, I think, kind of partly hates it. Really do. But I do this um, imaginary estate sale walkthrough. And I try and pick things that I see that you love already. And yeah. so we're going to imagine with me, we're in... What state should we be in today? Let's do New Orleans. All right, we're down in one. New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. We've arrived. We've had some delicious drinks. We've had some bayonets. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to this house that's been... In a historical part of New Orleans, it is, has a thorough history and it's finally opened up for an estate sale. It's switching hands, okay? So we walk into this first room in the row house and we see a collection that you really kind of have to know what you're looking for. So I think it's perfect for you, Brandy. The first thing we come across on this table is a collection of tramp art or a box of doll parts and you have to pick one or the other which one's going home with you?
2: Oh, see, I'd have to sit there and dig through those (laughs) because those doll parts would have to be composition and they'd have to be old and wrecked. And, but that tramp art, I would be, yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. I would probably, um, I'd probably go with the doll parts because the tramp art would be a pain to ship (laughs) (laughs) i can probably take it down to uncommon i still take objects down to uncommon objects or actually my kids take it down there for me but that is a big thing anymore is shipping especially with covid going on because things have the prices have gone up yeah Um, and so that is that anymore is my it's nuts because i'll be like oh that's so cool but oh that cost somebody 60 bucks you know what i mean right yeah Paying shipping so i don't want my customers to pay it either
1: right Okay, so we've made our choice there. We're going off to the next part of the room. This is in the dining room. And on the table, there is antique specimen slides or pink bake light clips. I would take the slides. I would take the slides. I would take the slides. I would take the clips. Yeah. yeah. I have what some. What she say she take? The clips. The clips? Yeah. Jill is the, uh, the balance of the I am the macabre. <laughs> Side of this, yeah. <laughs> and Jill is like, "Why the fuck would you want <laughs> microscope slides?"
0: And Next, I'm like, "Do you what? guys
1: move fast
2: or do you move slow?" Because
0: I'm fast, so we move fast at first, mm-hmm. and then we swing back. We go slowly. back through. <laughs>
1: yep. So I right scan girl. and see where everything is, and we carry a basket in with us, and we split because. The problem is is we like some similar things so if we're in the same room and we both see it we kind of look at each other like how much more do you want this than me and then <laughs> and then we come back and we do this thing where it's like well i grab this and i'm like oh fuck i love that and then she sees something that i have and she's like oh i love that and we switch yeah oh yeah. yeah we do, the, we, awesome. we yeah, do well, the fast swing and then the yeah. slow the slow one okay the last one okay we've made our decision we're working through the last part of the house which is the garage and um, we have three choices. Okay, you can take two. There's pink stationery, old Victorian stationery and cards. There's light fixture that's your dream light fixture, or a printer's desk in full. It hasn't been p- picked apart for the drawers. It's a complete printer's desk. Oh, man. God, I hate you so much. Uh,
2: I would probably go with the light fixture. Although, because I could carry it myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's a big thing anymore is what I can carry. I'm not allowed to buy concrete anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My husband's like, I told you, don't be buying concrete anymore. <laughs> that's the one yeah. thing he's like, no more. Anything else <laughs> yeah, but that. He honestly, he's the best.
2: If I had a partner to choose, I would always choose him because he will, he's up in game for anything. He may not understand it at the time. But he is game for all of it. And uh, he's always by my side. When, if, when I do my taxidermy classes, he is right there to help me. Um, and he takes me places. And I could not do this without my husband. I honestly could not. I love that. So, That's
1: great. I do too. I have. I'm, we're both, I think, fortunate. All of us are fortunate to have husbands that support uh, the wild ideas that come through our brain and out through our mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then continue. I mean, we'll look at this podcast in I- general.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I said so my- I have just a couple of questions for you because sure. I've never done a podcast Sure, before, sure. So I have a couple of questions for you and I'm notorious for doing this shit. So um, <laughs> what, what possessed you to do this podcast?
1: So it's, I, it started with me. Um, Jill and I actually met seven or eight years ago. And she was a trainer at a gym I went to. She was a coach. We met there. And this is this is just the serendipity of us continually smashing into each other's lives that I think led to what we're doing now. And then she was my recovery nurse when I had emergency surgery after the gym and we had lost contact. And then I started doing her hair because she has a fuck ton of hair and she was <laughs> like, I need somebody that knows how to handle this. So she came to me for that and then I started doing her hair and her children's hair and We were definitely acquaintances, and then we started to go to estate sales and antique stores together. We would take a day off of work if the sale looked like it was worth it, and we would both just drive and go and pick and spend the whole day doing it. And then I started the Antique Club and did that, and I formed the idea of doing a podcast, but I held it really close to my heart. Because I have to find somebody that loves it as much as I do and gets it. And so I sat on that idea for about a year. And then last fall, Jill and I were driving to an estate sale, and I was like, "Remember that podcast I was telling you about?" And she was like, "Yeah." And I, it was like a bomb went off in the car, and I said, "Would you be my co-host?" And it was
0: electricity. We it both was got- like instant, instant. We like, both got goosebumps. Yeah, and we both started crying. Like I remember, we pulled up to the estate sale, and we literally are hugging each other like crazy people. Yeah, and everybody's <laughs> cool. looking at us, and it's like. And like Sam said, it, it feels like it was meant to be because we always want to know w- what's the story behind the estate sales like every time we go in. And like you, it's like you feel the presence of the person in their items and their treasures. And I always yeah. want to know like what led you to like the antique Chinese plates or you know what.
2: Right, right. Yeah. do you collect this
0: crap and then they'll have something really cool. Yeah, yeah and it's like something off the wall and it's like, oh, I totally get that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And picking.
1: Yeah. And so it was just, you know, I, we, and then we were going to launch in May and do all this in May. And the show has definitely changed course because of the coronavirus. And then it was just like, I'm just going to start asking people that I think they have really cool shit and they have a cool story. Cause I think, I think right now most important beside the antiques is we all need to realize the humanity in our neighbor and the people yeah. we tend to overlook for maybe they're a little weird or they're different than us. And then you realize that you all collect the similar things and you we all have stories of important objects in our lives that we want to share with somebody.
2: I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. And and, and don't don't take that lightly because I don't tell people a lot that they have good <laughs> ideas. I think this is a good idea. Not Thank only you. because you, you get to relate and maybe you're not strange anymore, or maybe yeah. it's not odd anymore. You know what I mean? I think that's the big, this little town I live in, our, our, all of our neighbors are old and they're always like, so I hear you do this. I hear you do that. And mm-hmm. slowly but surely they're all opening up about something. And the other day, the gentleman down the street, he has an old dentist chair in the back of <laughs> Truck. <laughs> what are you gonna do with that? And he's like, I found it at the at the junkyard at the metal recycle place. I said, mm, that's odd, but I love it.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> but doubt. You know I, mm-hmm. I
2: hear I'm having some kind of a connection with with a, a veteran. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That most people probably wouldn't even know what was in the back of this truck, but yeah, I, I think people can relate on all different levels. And if some of them are weird. Well, then some of them are weird. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And when I when I joined this antique study group, I mean, I'm heavily tattooed. Jill has tattoos. I have bright red hair. And it was like going into a room filled with conservative grandmas. Not all of them are super conservative. And some of them do listen to the show. And I love all of them. And But when, we, when I first joined, there was a definite division. Because they were like, who is yeah. this girl with tattoos and red hair? And what does she know? And then once they kind of realized what I knew, and I talk about this in our first episode. Then it was the coolest thing happened, even though there are 50 years between us. Now we sit down, like Jill and I sit down to talk, like I sit down with a friend for a cup of coffee, and we talk about antiques and our lives and the struggles we're dealing with, and we are on the same level.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I think it, that's cool. I think that's cool. I think the study group is really awesome, because I think you could learn a lot. Mm-hmm. and they Because, you know... I, I have a huge problem with people saying, "Well, people just aren't into antiques anymore." And I'm like, "That's not true. No, it's, it's not, not true. true no, at not at all. I make a very good living at this. People are into it. They may not be what you're into, mm-hmm. but they're into antiques, and uh, and they may not be the kind of antiques. You know, maybe they don't want your grandma's Chester drawers or chest or her dresser, but I bet they'd like to have her bloomers. Right? You know what right. I,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have in my cabinet over here. I have um, my great grandmother's girdle box. Yeah, that her girdle originally came in. That my grandma kept, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Like they people think that people aren't into antiques, but I think that my generation, the millennial generation, is heavy into collecting. Mm -hmm. Because I I don't know if it's be I don't know what the driving force is behind it, but I love it.
0: Yeah, and like because there's 10 years difference f- between mm-hmm. us and like people of my generation, it's like they've always collected it, but they don't know why they're collecting it. It's just because like yeah, they just know yeah. it's, that's old and vintage. It's going to wor- be cost money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, just use it. Like, what are you going to try to sell it? Like anytime I buy Pyrex or depression glass or whatever, they're like, oh, are you going to display it? And I'm like, no, I'm going to put like, Sloppy Joes in it and serve it yeah, to my children. and that's
2: what's cool. Yeah. It's because it's still vintage. Yeah, it's because still, you <laughs> It right. doesn't mean it's not vintage anymore. I, I think people can relate. I think it's what the world needs. Yeah. The world needs a little old. They yeah. need a little used. And they need to learn how to appreciate
0: used. Well, and they need mm-hmm. to remember where they came from, too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a big thing.
1: And the yeah. thing, you know, I feel like... In the last 15 years, we have turned into such a consumer-driven society that we, we cast so many things aside when they have one little irregularity or a blemish or something that we're just, we've bastardized daily use items that I feel like, like the same thing when I harvest a beautiful tomato from my garden. I feel like I've done my part to give something that had a life before me a life again in my house.
2: Yeah, I totally, that's, I mean, every time I pull out a piece of ironstone and use it and my mom's like, oh, that has a chip in it. And I'm like, there's no telling what I'll look like at hundred mom, mm-hmm. you know? And she's like, I guess you're right. Cause you know, she had this pristine, well, she still has it, a teacup collection. And I mean, we're talking beautiful, like no one else has, and, and they are gorgeous, but not one chip. You know what I mean? Nothing had a chip. Mm -hmm. And when I would find a cup and saucer, I'm like, oh, but it has this little ding. And she's like, oh, I don't know if I want that. Now she's come to appreciate those chips after I've been doing. She's like, you're right. It's still beautiful. And I'm Uh, like, yeah, mom, it doesn't have to be perfect. Life isn't perfect. Well, if we
1: all spent time focusing on the chips and the dings and the dents, none of us would be happy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at it like um, I just remind myself all the time. We'll see how I look in a hundred years. You know, it's, it's not every day is not perfect. And, you know, sometimes I wish I'm like, don't put a new scratch on it, Eric. Don't put a new, Be careful with that. And he's like, there's scratches all over it. And I'm like, yeah, but those are old scratches. <laughs> <laughs> those
0: scratches tell a story. Those God damn it. earned.
2: <laughs> that one's just going to piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> if you put another one. <laughs> <to those. laughs> but anyway, well, yes. I appreciate you ladies asking me to do this. I, I will be very frank with you. Um, this is not my forte. I am not a, I am. My husband always jokes. You can't be the ghost of heirlooms. He's (laughs) been telling me that since I started because I never wanted to talk a lot and I never wanted to. And I think
1: um, that your followers too, will be very interested in your story because you are so private on both of your accounts. Like you share enough. And then you're just like, that's enough. Like, like you p- just
0: like bring us in like, no, tell us more. Yeah. I think they will be.
1: Yeah. Cause it makes me nervous. I mean, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> some absolutely. Nervous,
2: but some of it makes me nervous. You know, mm-hmm. some of it makes me nervous.
1: So Brandy, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show with us today. I feel like what you're doing for the antique community and the collecting community is what is needed. And I think that's why you have garnered such success. It's because the, the authenticity from who you are as a person to what you put out to sell reads true to whoever's viewing it. And that's okay. just marvelous. So thank you for being on thank the show you with you, us thank today. You, thank you. And as always, I hope you find some good shit. And I Me hope it's too. covered in dust. Have a and a couple it. scratches. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Okay, so Brandy. Frickin' Evans.
0: Oh my gosh, she was amazing. She
1: was one of the coolest people, I think, in general, I've ever sat down and talked to. Yeah, and to. she
0: it was like a natural, like we've been friends forever.
1: Right, like I could sit down and have a cup of coffee... At her cute hundred-year-old house,
0: and stare at her cute little miniature horse. Yes,
1: all the cute shit in her house. And
0: try to like steal little horse, like I want yeah. The
1: we'll just load it up. We'll bring. We'll show up with a U-Haul. <laughs>
0: I never knew I needed a taxidermy miniature horse until I saw her.
1: It's just I. If I didn't have a toddler, I would add it. And if if I sound a little froggy, it's not the Roni. It is allergies because where we live, they're currently harvesting grain.
0: Yeah, big time.
1: And apparently my new trick this year for 2020 is also an allergy to that in the air. Because
0: why not? Why not? It's 2020.
1: I, you know, I'm trying to add as much to the mix as I possibly can. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, I, my mom and I have a garden out in the country and so we're right next to a grain field. Yeah. So usually by Sunday, I'm like, okay, I sound like Phoebe from Friends.
0: There, and you start uh, singing Smelly Cat.
1: I might, but probably not, because <laughs> I can't even hold a sustained note talking right now. <laughs> so we talked to Brandy about a lot of really great stuff that's in her house mm-hmm. and really cool parts of her life. And one of the most fascinating things to me about her life, because it's not something you hear a lot of, is the the gypsy background and the carnival background.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Of her life. And there was a couple times that she said some things during the interview that you and I
0: were like, what is that? Like, the Penny Falls. Yeah. I know I had seen it. Well, and I, I had it like, okay, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not 100% sure. No. And yeah, I was like, I know I've, I've seen it in an
1: arcade, but I, I don't know that I've ever looked at the actual name of it. No.
0: And when you go to an arcade as a kid, it's not... I want to go to the Penny Falls machine. It's like, no, I want to go to that machine that's going to drop all those quarters. Give me all that money.
1: It was between that game and the other one that was like the dome, like the bubble. And sorry, push the button. And it had all the lights and they were going so fast. And you were like, I'm going to hit that motherfucker dead on. I'm going to get 10,000 tickets and I'm going to go over there and I'm going to buy that bike. Because they always had like something that was like 350,000 tickets.
0: Yeah. And you're like, that's coming home with me tonight.
1: Right. And I don't even know any kids that ever won that stuff, but I didn't like them.
0: No, no. I didn't even know him and I was pissed off about it. We went, my kids were little. We went to a place um, that was an arcade place and my dad had taken us. And this guy, he like, we're watching and he's like, you want to know the trick? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, there is no trick. And he hit it. And he freaking won. (laughs) And I was just like, are you, what? And then he just handed the tickets over to my children. And I was just like. He was
1: a wizard.
0: I know. I was like, what just happened? And my kids are like, we're getting all the candy.
1: (laughs) Did they get, I used to go and I, I fucked heavy with sour candy as a kid. Oh yeah. And I would just go and get like warheads and the warhead spray yeah and we would go out back to the where the ball pit was and we would try and put as many warheads in our mouth as possible i didn't
0: do that part
1: oh it makes my mouth hurt even thinking about it It does that you know that that like pain in your jaw (laughs) oh god so it was a fun little walk down i know sour memory memory
0: memory So, tell us about them Penny Falls. Jill. So, okay, so the Penny Falls originally came from a pair of brothers from the United Kingdom uh, Alfred and Jim Crom- Crompton. Crompton? Crompton. And Crompton Brothers. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I can't, I'm not going to try okay, that. I'll cover uh, it for you. <laughs> but so um, it was a new game that would become better known as a pusher. A circular sweeping game called Wheel-A-Win had a sweeping arm that pushed coins down into the holes in the playing field. In 1962, the Crumpton brothers took out the arms and the pusher was born a brand new breed of slot machine by Crumpton Amusement Machines LTD of Ramsgate. So they pretty much just started your gambling addiction. Right.
1: And well, yeah. and when she said that it was like banned in that state because it was gambling, I was like, what the fuck? But it is. When but I was yeah, no. looking it up, there's articles about it being banned in different yeah, places. Yeah,
0: it's and- 100% because you literally kept putting money in it, trying to win money. I know. But uh, so the new machine required no technical breakthrough. The large floor standing cabinet had stations of eight players. And the coins would be pushed off the ledge into the holes. I just could see like eight little kids, like, this is mine! Right. This is
1: mine! Well, in one of the images I saw of it, it was grown men standing like looking over the top of something with the sweeping arm. Yeah. That was just, and I was just like,
0: man, the things they used to do. I know. Um, expecting a one hit wonder. The Crumptons never patented the pusher, and in 1964, it in, in the improved machine was now called the Penny Falls, which was widely copied and has survived the test of time and is one of the few British games to garner success here in America. Um, and then that the most interesting part was there was different kinds. Right. I've only ever seen like the floor the model floor that's standing
1: kind of like a pinball machine. Yeah, but
0: they also had a countertop one and a wall mounted one. Bananas which I could see a wall mounting one in like the coffee shop where the little guys sit down
1: every morning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like a jukebox on the wall, but it's the penny. Yeah. Well, and the one that Brandy and her family had,
1: it was in their trailer and it was set up on like a, not a platform, but like a countertop Mm -hmm. up up above you. Yeah. She sent us an image of it and we'll put that up. It'll be up at the IG today. But I was just like, I, I say it again. I'll probably say it every episode. This is my favorite part of it. It's like hearing something new that I've never... It hasn't been on my radar.
0: No. And like and like you said, this is kind of how we started this. We wanted to know why you collect things. Mm-hmm. And then it just leads us down a rabbit hole.
1: Right. Because now I'm headed straight to like owning my own warehouse with all of these <laughs> items in them. It's,
0: it's starting to get
1: bad. <laughs> it's getting bad already. We're only a couple episodes deep. I know. So I just... That was one of the cool parts of her history. Um and then she had like the diggers that she was talking about. Yeah. And you and I I was like, why you guys owned like a construction company?
0: No. I was like Wow, you went from the circus to construction? Right.
1: Good on you. But they were actually the little miniature cranes that you would use the diggers to like pick up prizes,
0: which essentially became the claw machine.
1: Right. And her her sweet husband built her this beautiful I display know. case it's so cute. with one of her family's diggers in it and it's lit up and it's got all this cute stuff on it at the floor and I just ah uh, that's so cool to have that at your house and
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that's
1: your history, and that yeah, mm-hmm. I love. And her husband seems like such a great guy. Like he helps her with all of these projects, and you know, does what like a real partner should do. And yeah, the things that they're doing at that house, um, the nest on the ridge, is their Instagram for their house. It's fun to watch because it's bringing these items back to life.
0: Yeah, and it's always fun to see what they get, mm-hmm. and then it's like how they're going to use it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She. I uh, thoroughly enjoy following both of her accounts. Mm-hmm. I do too. And the, you know, the, one of the things, cause I followed her for five or six years, I think mm-hmm. it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember her because she doesn't share a lot about, uh, her family, like on her personal professional page, obviously. Right. But when she did share things about her gypsy heritage, she had shared a picture of her grandmother with, in her palmistry tent. Yes. With the palmistry, uh, not the pennant, but the banner Mm -hmm. behind her. And I was always like, man, what a great part of your story.
0: I know. And I, I always, okay. I don't know. Like I liked going to those kind of things, like having Mm -hmm. my palm read and all that kind of stuff. People will always be like, Oh, it's not real. I'm like, how do you know? Right. Right, like, you can't you don't say no, and it's all about the
1: feeling you have with that person when you're right. exchanging that and experience. And you can feel
0: like when it's a legit compared mm-hmm. to like they just want my money.
1: And even if it's just maybe suggestive or whatever, if it's still something that your subconscious needed to hear, yeah, and it helps you make a decision, then I'm like, good on you, yeah, with anything like that, exactly. And so, um, I wanted to share just some interesting bits uh, from the Roma history. And this uh, article is from the United States Holocaust Museum. They have a four-part article series mm-hmm. on the in, the history of the Romani people through Germany and their moves through the Holocaust and then traveling to mm-hmm. the United States. And it was very interesting uh, to read through and I highly recommend if you have a spare hour or so to go read that because there was a lot of things in there that I didn't know and I just wanted to share just like they beginning travelers and where they get the traveler mentality right right. so roma gypsies originated in the punjab region of northern india as nomadic people and entered europe between the 8th and 10th centuries ce they were called gypsies because europeans thought that they came from egypt which i didn't know that fact yeah i didn't either most of the Roma in Germany and the countries occupied by Germany during World War II belonged to the Sinti and Roma family gatherings, groupings. Both groups spoke dialects of common language uh, called Romani based on Sanskrit, and then there I, there's some mixed reviews on that fact. It's based in Sanskrit, but then it also evolves as they moved more. Well, and
0: I wonder too if they since they were travelers, they didn't really reveal a lot no there wasn't a and lot of history so you know i wonder if they did that on purpose just so they could keep that history to them yeah and private yeah yeah I, I
1: i think so and the term roma has come to include both the Sinti and roma groupings though some roma prefer to be known as gypsies like brandy's family some roma are christian and some are muslim having converted during their travels through that part of the world Many Roma worked as craftsmen, blacksmiths, cobblers, tinsmiths, horse dealers, and toolmakers, while others were performers, circus animal trainers, and dancers. By the end of the 1920s, there were many Romney shopkeepers, and the number of truly nomadic Roma had declined by the early 1900s. But it was because they were so-called sedentary Roma, so there wasn't as many Roma people traveling around and moving at that time, They weren't as nomadic. They were settling in some places. Which makes
0: sense. Yeah.
1: And then they would just move seasonally. So they'd stay in one place, then move to another. And about half lived in Eastern Europe, about while one million lived in Europe. And then the other half lived in Eastern Europe in the Soviet Union, Romania, Hungary, Yugoslavia, and Bulgaria. And then in greater Germany, there were about 30,000 Roma, and there's more that goes into it uh, furthering down their history in Germany and during mm-hmm. the Holocaust. Right, right. And that's something I encourage people reading about because that's an aspect of history that we are not taught, that there were other people during the Holocaust that were also just as horribly persecuted and were put through a genocide.
0: Yeah, exactly. And talking to Brandy, and like, you could just hear the pride mm-hmm. of her family when mm-hmm. she talked about them. and. Like I said in the episode, I have taken care of several groups of gypsies and they were just great, great people. Mm-hmm. Like I, they were almost my favorite because they'd be so grateful, like no matter what I was doing, they were just so grateful mm-hmm. to have somebody help them. And yeah, they, and like um Sam said, read up on them. They're fascinating people. And I almost wonder if that's the beginnings of, you know, people who have the wonderless right feeling like they always want to be traveling and, yeah, stuff like and moving that. about and yeah. going and
1: discovering and seeing and
0: because if I can move seasonally to different places, I totally would. Oh, I would not sure. stay here during the winter
1: <laughs> at all. Not even a little bit, not even a little bit. And she shared some really great images. She did. And they were with us yeah. of, from, I mean, there's images of them during their carnival times, mm-hmm. There's images of, like, her and her grandfather and her father. Yes. And I can't wait for you guys to see all those. We'll put those up on the Instagram and the website so everybody mm-hmm. can go and look at them. And just, yeah, they're they're cool.
0: Well, and because of that group, she um, told us about tramp art. Another one that I'm like, damn. Which, during that whole episode, I was like, what? Like, tra- tramp art? Like... A tramp stamp, right? Is this was this the
1: original? Like uh, I
0: just was like I (laughs) sit in that. I was just like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm gonna have to really Google this real quick.
1: Uh, Yeah, or was it like the original, like just shitty butterflies? And
0: people were like, I want that on my lower back, right? But no, it is not that. No, it it is is much cooler. It is so much cooler. (laughs) Um, so we found this information on InCollect.com. And Tramp Art is actually woodworking. And what it is, is it's discarded like cigar boxes and shipping crates. And they are whittled together, notched, and assembled in layers of geometric patterns. Which if you guys Google it, like the images of these pieces are like fascinating.
1: They were so cool. And because when I first saw an image of Tramp Art, at, at face value, it looks like carved wood. Like the whole mm. piece has been carved from wood. But really, there was, because the cigar boxes only came with like six pieces of wood. Right.
0: Tiny. Yeah.
1: And so they would just, well, yeah, they were taking them apart and they were carving
0: them. Yeah. And this all started um, back in the 1870s and it ran up to about the 1940s. Uh, tramp artists were creating art out of societies discarded long before it was fashionable. Many were farmers, factory workers, delivery men, laborers, miners, neighbors, fathers, and husbands. Um, it was a generation of men whose talents were celebrated not in museums or art galleries, but in home. So you could see like these, you know lower class people probably trying just to make gifts for their families. Right. And
1: redo like reusing. It was still at a time that you didn't just throw shit away.
0: Right. And it's that whole sense. Like another man's trash is another man's treasure. Right. And
1: I, we've all sat around a campfire and whittled at things and whittled at sticks and done all that stuff. And this to take it to the level that they did with some of the stuff, like that chest of drawers,
0: Yes, and that is another thing that fascinates me, that a lot of these pieces are still in like amazing condition. Right, like what the fuck, what it's glue like, were what they did you, using? Because <laughs> Gorilla Glue was not. Glue. It was definitely not a thing. Maybe horse glue. Maybe. Because you had horses back then. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that, yeah, because that's where,
1: well, that's where they got glue, Jill. I
0: know. Horses. Horses.
1: Yeah poor horses i know it's terrible
0: <laughs> but uh, so like i said most of these have survived the test of time and enduring appreciation among the people who lived with and used the tramp art objects creating a home similar in quilting that was also popular in the time tramp artists took small pieces of wood from cart or cigar boxes generally constructed in the six small pieces like samstead They would remove the labels, taking great care to cover up any evidence of it being a cigar box. They would combine all the small pieces of wood to create a magnificent layered piece. Tramp art differs from quilt making in that the small shapes are layered to build up a mass. Mm -hmm. The scale of the raw material does not limit its potential to become functional art. It was very easy to find a quilt pattern, but there was no known tramp art patterns in existence. And
1: that right there was just like... Yeah, and there's they still have yet to find any patterns. Which, I mean, I guess you could, like, how would you? Yeah, because the materials changed for every piece. And probably while you were making a piece, the materials were shifting. Yeah,
0: because especially with like shipping crates, like most of that wood is not pristine no like pallets now yeah so you yeah you were picking
1: the best material you could and you know when they say that they were stacking them to make mass they were stacking them to make them like taller Mm -hmm. like brandy said like tramp art is so expensive to ship because it's so heavy right because the pieces are generally thick they're built up and that adds to their strength Mm -hmm. and so like there's when jill and i were researching this There, one of the images that pops up, like on the first page of Google Images, is this chest of drawers Mm -hmm. that is at least five drawers. It's at least five feet tall. And it is tramp art. It's made from this wood, hand pieced together.
0: Yeah. Knobs and everything. Everything. Every single piece of that is handmade. Yeah. And you could, I can just imagine like some husband is like trying to surprise his wife Mm -hmm. because she's like having to fold clothes and put them somewhere to keep them out. And he's like, I'm making you a chest of drawers." And how long that must have taken. Yeah, because, you know, they were working men. Mm -hmm. And so they would probably do it when they got home from work. It was their hobby. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was there and it was safe to do. Yes. Uh, and (laughs) Super safe. (laughs) Our next... uh...
0: Antique item is not safe at all. Everybody who has this, you may want to rethink that.
1: Or put it in, a, in case of emergency break, break the glass case. So we brought up, um, I asked in the walkthrough estate sale, what are some items that she would grab? And uh, one of them was Bakelite because I really like Bakelite. And I have Bakelite. And in doing the research for this episode, realized that that Bakelite maybe needs to go on a little bit of a higher shelf.
0: A uh, higher shelf and in a protective case. <laughs> like a box.
1: So Bakelite, it was the first form of plastic, an art plastic. And it was made, and this uh, article is from decolish.com. And it was made from the 30s to the 50s. And it was patented by a Belgian-born Leo Hendrick. Bakeland in New York in 1907 and it was the first truly synthetic and thermosetting plastic meaning that if it got heated up or cooled down or anything it wouldn't change it wouldn't melt which should give you your first first red flag first red flag, flag on the play yeah going in <laughs> so because now you leave a spatula too close to the goddamn stove and it's I done know. I have ruined so many it's done there's a, well, there's a good thing now <laughs> so once it was set the plastic was unaffected by heat solvents or acid again w- <laughs> red
0: flag guys huge red flag and it was
1: electrically resistant or shatterproof <laughs> and i was like why the fuck they'd stop making this neither would it crack or, or discolor when exposed to sunlight so it's basically the highlanders of plastic it's immortal yeah can't do anything <laughs> <laughs> and it was touted as the material of a thousand uses but the first products were pretty boring they were made with phenol formaldehyde, and they were produced with either a black or a brown color. And these items were usually used for like pretty mundane shit, like telephones, light right. switches, electrical insulators, car parts. I think I have like a shaving case bakelite that's like the soap case is bakelite. Yeah. But it was pretty boring. And then, but in the twenties, they realized they could add different colors to it. And that's when it fully invaded the modern home when they could add like greens and yellows and blues and reds and oranges. And like it just filled kitchens and dinnerware, clocks, jewelry, hair clips, combs, mirrors. I mean, it was everywhere. And nowadays, right now, vintage collect- plastics are highly collectible. And some of them can fetch very high prices. Now, these prices are quite old, but I couldn't find like any. Pretty recent ones that weren't set by a dealer.
0: Because I don't think anybody wants them anymore. I don't know, maybe. That could be it. And so
1: um, in 2008, a cigarette box sold for $1,250 and a set of six bakelite lamps sold for an incredible 5000 in 2006. But there's apparently rare orange beads that can fetch like $1,000 per. Uh, thing. So the article we read after, um, this is from sunnyray.org. Okay. By by Barbara O'Brien. And it's talking about the, uh, hazardous bits of Bakelite. And, um, the reason Bakelite is, uh, dangerous is because when it does break, it releases, um, asbestos, the formaldehyde, So it says, besides the obvious danger to the environment to improper disposal (laughs) of these products, there is a considerable and lingering health risk. Not only did these products contain formaldehyde, Bakelite contained asbestos, a known and hazardous toxin. Exposure to Bakelite dust may cause lung infections, uh, hashtag mesothelioma, and other respiratory complications, though medical care for these conditions, including mesothelioma treatments, are improving through breakthroughs, there is still an ongoing risk. And then it talks about the proper disposal of Bakelite. And so that is why Bakelite's no longer produced because it was made out of the toxic shit that made the 50s so cool like in the 30s and
0: 40s. <laughs> That's the thing. If it's super cool, it's probably really bad mm-hmm. for you. Yeah.
1: This says, though in the early 60s, Bakelite became a highly desirable product. Houses were decorated with Bakelite, chest pieces, necklaces, bracelets, dishes, and kitchen containers.
0: You know, they were all excited, too. And they're like, this shit is indestructible. Right. And they, they'd just gone from, like, porcelain in China. Yeah, where you had to, like, hold it with, like, your dear life. And then this, it was like, throw a plate across the room and it won't break. Right. But then they were like, oh... Never
1: mind, it, it causes cancer and stuff too.
0: <laughs> yes, my nurse's, my nurse's sense was tingling.
1: The whole time you are like, red flag, red flag. <laughs> well, when I pulled this article up the first time, the title is Toxic Plastics, Bakelite, The Silent Killer. And then I was like, I have some of that. So, yeah. um, disclaimer, if you have Bakelite, handle it carefully.
0: Don't break it.
1: Don't break it. If you break it, don't. Buy it at all if it's broken.
0: Yeah, step like run. Yeah,
1: get out of the antique store. Yeah, it's, you need to do like a what is it? Monsters Inc. Twenty three nineteen. Yeah, it's for
0: Bakelite.
1: Twenty three nineteen. So yeah, be uh be aware, always aware of lead paint and uh, bake light now apparently, <laughs> and anything else. And um, we're gonna put up all of Brandy's images today on the Instagram. The Mothball Prophecies Original. They'll also be on our website, themothballprophecies.com, under Brandy's episode tab. But be sure to check out her Etsy store, which is pocketful of Heirlooms. That's also her Instagram name, where she posts a lot of the stuff before it hits her Etsy. And then her house page is The Nest on the Ridge on Instagram. And they have documented their full process of restoring this 100-year-old home and bringing it back to as original as Mm -hmm. possible. Also, guys, we would love if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the show out there. If you've enjoyed it, we'd love to see what you think of the show. And if you do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, be sure to screenshot that. And send it to either our email, themothballprophecies at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on Instagram. And when you do that, we will send you a sticker as a thank you. Because without you guys, uh, we would have no reason to
0: do the show. No, we'd just be talking to ourselves. Right, which we do. Which we do all all the time. (laughs) But we figure everybody wants to hear what we say. Everybody does.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. We hope that you find some
0: cool shit. And don't forget, look under the table. Check under the tables. Bye. See ya.